hey, you know what we're doing today? Awesome things. I mean, yes. But besides that. What are we doing? We're going to talk about a video game. <gasps> Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, it's real surprising. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about a game we kind of mentioned last week. Well, I guess we did mention, but now one of us has completed it after 1,000 years. And I mean, to be fair, I've completed it many times before this, so it's not too upsetting that I haven't completed it by the time that we did this podcast, but... You had a little bit more important things to worry about, I think. A little <laughs> going, bit. Going into this. Uh, hello. This is episode number 32 of the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello. I'm Jared. Joined, as always, by the best podcast co-host... On the planet of Earth. <gasps> what about the planet of Venus and Mars and Jupiter? Did you know that we went by the Jupiter spot recently? I mean, I don't know of the quality of their podcast host, so I cannot... I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> I'm not a trained uh, podcast statistical analysis historian of other planets. But I do know this planet. All right. And that's Enladium. Thank you. You're now Hello. a planet. Congratulations. Yay! I'm a planet. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're going to talk about one of the most lauded games in a in a long-running franchise. We're going to talk about a planet that went through That's also true. Yeah. I feel like if you talk about Final Fantasy on the internet or even like you just say the words out loud... There's like a 75% chance someone's going to run up to you and be like, yo, have you played Final Fantasy VI yet? You should play Final Fantasy VI. It's the best one. Which brings with it, you know, like some some intense feelings for a lot of people, some some weight to it, to where it's like, you know, this thing has been put up on such a high pedestal. Is it as good as people say it is? Is it worth the weight to play it? Is it worth it to play it? I think that's a better, even even better question. And hello, I'm here with the answer to that question. You'll find out in the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, it's telling that I have a poster in my apartment of the cast of Final Fantasy VI. Because I don't have posters of any other Final Fantasy which in is my- surprising. It is surprising. Um, because Final Fantasy VI is not my favorite. Um, it is one of my favorites, but it's not my favorite. But it has a wonderful cast. Uh, I take donations of Final Fantasy VIII and Nine posters, guys. <laughs> and like probably some like 10-2 posters as well. Yeah, or 10 if it's just Riku. Basically, yeah, it's going to be Riku stuff, guys. <laughs> I haven't quite like come to terms with like where 6 would be on my, my list, which we talked about, I think, when we when I played 8. Mm-hmm. And now I don't remember the order of that list to begin with. So Mine literally changes every time somebody asks me. And it just depends yeah. on my mood. I think that's completely fair. I think 6 could easily be like a top 2 or top 3 game. 6 is in my top 5. Yeah. It's... It's good. I feel like using the word masterpiece is almost like is a hard thing to say at times, but like 
this game might be a masterpiece. It nails it. I mean, it really, really does. Especially the, for the like for sixteen bit RPGs, I think. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um. Because I don't think I've ever played a, a sixteen bit like RPG or even like game in general that's as cinematic and as like and has as much storytelling as that game does. Right. Which is which is astonishing, I think, like that they were able to pull all that sort of stuff off and with the limited like uh, capabilities that like the Super Nintendo had or even like any console at the time particularly had like it's literally amazing and even coming back to it like you know over 20 years after the fact that it came out like and being just blown away by it is a real testament to how like how good that game is well and i played it when i was a kid and even going back now i'm so like wow this is such a great game mm-hmm. it's so good so I mean, good there's no way to put it in like that. It's just such a great game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like you said, the story is wonderful. The way it looks is wonderful. It plays really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all the characters. Uh, I mean, some of the optional ones I don't get as attached to, but the ones that are your core party members that have a story and, you know, you have to get them. They're great. I'm I'm going to I'm going to hit you with a question about shot. about the party and and just after this, but I want to read you a quote that I found on this Final Fantasy VI Wikia. Okay. From Nobu Nobuo Uematsu from the liner notes of Final Fantasy XIV Battle Tracks. I would say, why is Uematsu commenting on this? Anyway, go ahead. Uh, basically, he's saying something that Sakaguchi said about the game. Okay. And he says, quote, I still remember when, during the launch party for Final Fantasy VI, the notoriously unforgiving Mr. Sakaguchi gave a speech. Thanks <laughs> thanks to every one of you, we have created the best game in the world. No, the universe. Thank you. I cried. There were tears on my face. Those tears made me realize just how much I had invested myself in the project. I hope that the Final Fantasy games forever continue to be a source of joy, not only for the fans, but for the developers as well. It's too bad that last part didn't hold true. Nope. <laughs> um, so yeah, like it's amazing that even like Sakaguchi at the time was like, yo, this is the best game we've ever made. And, and I mean he's right. He's right, yeah. Like up to that point, yeah. Like, I think it's it's probably is like the best Final Fantasy game they had made at, at that point. Like considering, you know, they had done one through three and then four is a as I think is is a fantastic game in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Five, I haven't really dug into, but I've heard good things about it. But. And then it's like, it butts specifically. <laughs> and just like, it, it feels like with six, they finally like, they, they knew the system they were, they were working with. They knew the limitations. They knew what they could do with it. And basically they crafted like the best game possible for that system. I can agree with that. It's, I mean, it's just mind-blowing how good this game is. And considering that it came out in, what, 94? Yeah. Like, how is it possible that a game this good came out in 94? It's just... It's amazing what they did with what they had. Which is, what, like, three years into the Super Nintendo's life cycle? I think so, because I know that 92 is Link to the Past. Because that's... 
for the most part, like for the, the like the later generations of consoles, maybe from like PlayStation onwards, like you kind of feel like you know two to three years in, that's when like developers are finally starting to get the hardware, finally start to understand like what to do with the hardware, like how they can use the tech in different ways. But even then, it's still maybe like year four, year five, where you're seeing like these companies like make games that are like that are pushing the limits of the console, and they know what they're doing. But these guys did it in year three after they already made two other games on the system already. Like you, it's, I feel like you don't really see two other Final Fantasy titles. Yeah, like two like two other really good games on the system. Like you don't really see that happening nowadays, specifically like in that short of a time span. Really, no, you really don't. It's unheard of. It's actually unheard of that Square will get out a game like within a year of it being announced, two years, whatever. Like, yeah. Square takes, like, 10 years now to get a game out. So, knowing what they were doing back then and how great the quality was, like, 4, 5, and 6 are all wonderful games. 6 is obviously, like, the crown of it. it mm-hmm. It's the game that's at the top of that stack and saying, like, I'm the best and you're never going to dethrone me. Which, um, which speaking, the Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, speaking of uh, Square and not being able to get games out... I, I heard a quote from our favorite uh, Square Enix employee, Tatsuya Nomura, about why Kingdom Hearts 3 hadn't come out yet. And he was like, oh, it was uh, the the switch to Unreal Engine 4 and the Square Enix management team is why this game hasn't come out yet. It's like, totally not the fact that all of your other games have taken 10 years to make, dog. Yeah, no, like, he... He I sucks. He sucks. He sucks That's really it. bad. <laughs> That's and all we need to say. <laughs> no, he does. He sucks terribly. And Hashtag dunk on Nomura. Dunk on Nomura. He needs to be replaced. I mean, he, he worked on this game, so we can kind of talk about him. But he he did work on this game, and he didn't really become prominent in the company until after this game. He did yeah. some work, but this wasn't one of his games. Mm. Um. It's also worth mentioning, if I remember correctly, this is the first one that didn't have Sakaguchi as the director. Yeah, because the um, the director, uh, I forget his name. I'm scrolling down to find. Does it, it. start with a K? Yeah, Yoshinori Kitase. Yeah, will go on to direct, I think, seven and eight as well. That sounds right. And he did the thirteen um, trilogy, which was a mistake, but he did those too. Sometimes when you take a break, you take a break off directing games and come back, like, you're going to swing and a miss sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that was him. It might have been the other guy. But anyway. This says he was only a producer on those, so maybe not. Okay. Anyway, things happen. And... I don't know. I just... I don't know how to say it enough times that Final Fantasy VI is a wonderful game. <laughs> But that's not interesting to listen to. Um, what I think I want to talk about is... Before we get so, to that, though, I want to ask you the question I was I was going to ask you. Okay. Who's the main character of Final Fantasy VI? Okay, so there's an issue <laughs> with this that I was going to bring up. Because there is some weird gender dynamic stuff going on here, which is kind of my specialty, if you will. Yeah. Um, and that Tara's the protagonist, period. She is. She's on the the Are you artwork. Sure? Yes. Just listen to me. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. She's on the artwork. She's 
the character that you really follow along throughout the story and a lot of what she does drives it and what she thinks. And are you ready for the gender aspect? Yes. So she would have been the first female protagonist of a Final Fantasy game. Correct. Um, what they say about who's the protagonist of Final Fantasy VI is that there's not one. Yeah, like they, I think they essentially say it's like it's an ensemble cast, basically. It's so the whole cast yeah. is the protagonist. But then, like, I don't think that's accurate. Tara drives the story. Tara is super important. You always have to go find her, except for at the end. Um, and you know, she's kind of your link to Esper's. Yeah. And. I think to discredit her as not the protagonist is really bizarre. And um, to say that any other character in Final Fantasy, like, you could say, oh, hey, Skull is not the protagonist because, look, we have this ensemble. Or you could say Zidane's not the, the protagonist because we have this ensemble. And I think even more so if you're considering like 10. Um, I've already argued to you and you you and I, I think, agree on this, that at the very least, Titus, Titus, whatever, and Yuna are deuteragonists. Yeah. Um, but you could argue that that whole cast is an ensemble cast, that they are the protagonists because everybody's story is really important. And that's the case here. Everybody's story is really important, but I still think it's a disservice to not say that Tara is the protagonist. It feels like it's almost like an excuse because basically half of that game you don't play as Tara. Yeah. Due to like circumstances where she's either out of commission or it's the latter half of the game and you have to basically round up everyone and doing that thing. I feel like for me, like the game is kind of like split into th- thirds in terms of like protagonists. I mean, so, you could argue that, like, Tara and Celeste are both yeah. the protagonists. But I either would, way, like, you'd have a woman protagonist yeah. there. I feel like those two definitely are, like, for for at least a third of the game, are, like, the the main protagonists they are trying to push for you, the character. And then I would I, I would argue, like, Locke maybe in the middle. Eh. But I guess it, that also, that depends, like, on who you have controlling, I think, your party as well in, like, that middle section when Tara's gone. Yeah. So, like, that that kind of throws another wrench into that plan as well, which I think is probably another reason why they're like, it's an ensemble cast. Cause you can have pretty much anyone. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying though. That like, I mean, Tara's the first character you meet. She's the one that kind of pushes the story along. She's the link from the, the Espers, which is another, which is a huge aspect of like the overarching story itself. And yeah, like she's basically the driving force of the story, as you said. I mean, I'd be willing to to go to bat for a a dual Terra Celeste. Yeah, because like because Celeste is basically who you who you basically are playing as from the end of the world onwards. Okay, when you're so here, go ahead. Basically, because like she was the one who like kind of I felt was the driving force behind basically gathering everyone back up. She was. So here here's a new argument. World of Balance protag is Terra. Mm-hmm. World of Ruin protag is Celeste. I could buy that. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, technically, you don't even need Terra to beat the game, right? 
you just need um, Celeste, Sabin, and Edgar. I guess, yeah. I don't know how many people no, wait, you need you to need, go. You need Setzer. Sorry. You need him because the airship. Oh, yeah, right. So, yeah. So, yeah, you could basically go and do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm pretty sure those are the only ones you need. I, I could be wrong on that. But I, I know you have to have Celeste. I know you have to have Setzer. And I know you have to have Sabin. Because those are, like, the three that the game really pushes you towards getting very, like, first thing off the bat. Because, like, because the first one you get is Sabin, right? Because, like. Yeah. He's saving the building, and then like you sneak off to the other continent to get Edgar, who's looking like a dork trying to be a criminal. <laughs> and then you not a dork. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then you meet up with Setzer and you get the airship. And then the so, game's like, "Well, there you go, go off do your own thing." But yeah, you, yeah, you could basically go end the game at that point. Yeah, you could. The, um, it's well, actually like a thing that people do is like end the game with only those characters. Is that even possible? Because, like, you have to split the team into three different parties at that point. So would you have, like, one character per party? It's possible. What it's You know, like, how people do weird challenges for playing games? Like, mm-hmm. the three heart challenges, Zelda and all that? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the challenges is to go and complete the game with just those party <laughs> members. It's crazy. It's like those who decide to go beat Ganondorf, like... Within 30 minutes of playing Breath of the or Ganon in Breath of the Wild, and you're like, right, yeah. How did you do this? But that's yes, it's a thing. Uh, so I'd be I'd be more than happy to concede a a deuteragonist of Terra and Celeste. Yeah, I think that's completely 100 percent fair. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess for me, though, like, personally, when I was going into this game, like, because, like, you see Terra's on the cover, she's the first person you meet, and whenever there's, like, Final Fantasy VI, like, fanfare out there in, like, other games, like, like World of Final Fantasy, per se, mm. she's the character you meet. And Dissidia. We don't talk about that game. Right. Also, <laughs> if you pay attention to the music, Terra's theme is also, like, the overworld the, map. Yeah, the main theme. Yeah. So, like, going into this, I thought, like, you know, she's going to be the main character. She's going to be with you the entire time. Nope. And then, like, you know, at the end of the first act, or second act, maybe, like, she's just gone. She's not with your party anymore, and she's gone for, like, a good part of the game. She's having a freak out. Yeah. It It was not anything that I was expecting. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Um... Because other other games have that sometimes. Uh, again, I think in Final Fantasy X, you have sections where you play just as Yuna. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it does happen, but usually not for the extended amount of time that happens in Final Fantasy VI. It, just, I, it also is it's just funny, like, the ways, like, I think in between, like, when you lose Terra and then back when you get her back before everything goes to and back, that, mm-hmm. like, the game just allows you to kind of, like, run the party however you want and i feel like that level of like party customization specifically for a final fantasy game is like really unheard of and it like, is and basically any of the games past and future and present and all that jazz so like that's another thing that was like really surprising was like the game's like well you don't really have a party leader now so you get to decide what you want to do and who you want to be party leader and all that jazz and i was like okay <laughs> wasn't expecting this 
there's a lot of good things that like this game does to surprise you in just a variety of different ways but like it's 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 kind of crazy as well just like how much of this game i really didn't know yeah <laughs> given that the, sense given the zeitgeist around it but like it's it even though it's a game that, like, you hear people being like, oh, if you like Final Fantasy games, you should play 6. I feel like there's not a lot of, like, stuff out there about 6, like, story-wise, that Mm-mm. people talk about. You don't see talk people about. talk about the story a lot. And you don't see people talk about the characters a lot, actually. Like, um, you you hear people talk about, like, Terra, and then it's basically Terra and Kefka are, like, the only two people you ever hear talked about in 6. Correct. Maybe Maybe Edgar and maybe Saban, just because he suplexes a train. You usually hear about Saban because of the suplex. Um, I rarely hear about Edgar, which is very disappointing because he's one of my favorite characters. I feel um, like I knew about Edgar because of World of Final Fantasy? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm sure you didn't know about Locke, which no. is upsetting because Locke is wonderful. Um, people that have not played 6 but have played Kingdom Hearts 2 would know about Setzer. It's poor people. I know, I know. He's in Kingdom Hearts. Um, it was a really weird thing that he was in Kingdom Hearts. Too. It didn't make any sense, but okay. He was what there. a shocker! Right, right. It made zero sense, and like he is your one representation of Final Fantasy VI. And I'm like, what? What? This makes literally no sense. And um, like you, you never hear anything about like Realm ever. No. Uh, which is disappointing because she's a great character. Uh, I think every once in a while you hear something about Shadow, but not a whole lot. I feel like I might have heard something about Cyan just because of the way he speaks. He speaks, yeah. Because he has that like Shakespearean, Victorian, London style of speaking. You know that Shakespearean and Victorian are two very different eras. I... Right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> He's Shakespearean. Um... I forget like what the era of Shakespeare is, which I should know, but I'm blanking on it. Elizabethan? Sure, yeah, 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 that's right. Anyways. Um, <laughs> and then, like, Mog, you don't really hear out about as a character. Like, you know of him as a species, but not as a character. Right. The, the, um, cover, the cover art uh, star for the American version. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know you never heard about Gal, the, the little uh-uh, wild, no. like, like, no, who, who the heck is this kid? Where did he come from? I'm just going to leave him in the back of my party and never touch him again. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, how do I get this kid to join my party? He's just yelling at me. To, to, he's hungry. <laughs> he's hungry. You text me. You're like, he's hungry. What do I do? I'm like, give him some beef jerky. And I'm just like, I don't. I can't. I'm in battle with him. I don't want to <laughs> fight him. You just have to punch him and run away. I didn't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be a jerk. Then go, then go buy him some beef jerky and make it up to him. <laughs> I like how after that he's just like, hey, it's me. I'm your friend. Yeah, anytime you throw him into the belt after that, he comes back. He's like, hey, I'm your friend. Don't hit me, please. <laughs> or when he comes back after like in the world of ruin, he's like, it's me. Hello. He was just like, wow. <laughs> Why are you saying this? I understand you're a wild child, but like, don't say wow. What a weird kid. Yeah, no, he's he's super strange. Is there anybody else that really surprised you? I mean, I, I, did you know anything about Celeste at all? No. Nothing about Celeste? Nope. Nothing. Wow. I'm surprised by that. Zip Zero Nada. You knew, like, nothing about the opera? 
I had heard the I'd heard about it. Like I knew that was a thing in Final Fantasy VI. I didn't know like context or like exactly what it was, but I've, I'd heard like someone mentioned like, oh, there's an opera in Final Fantasy VI. Okay. But other than that, I, I had no idea what it was. I know somebody that you knew before you played Final Fantasy VI. Who? Ultros. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. Kingsglaive. <laughs> How in the world do you take Ultros from the character that he is in Final Fantasy VI and turn him into what he is in Kingsglaive? How does that happen? Because Square f sucks. That's, That's why. True. It is true. But, like, holy crap. Ultros is one of the best characters Square ever made. And then they just reduce him down to, ooh, spooky octopus thing. He's going to kill everyone. Whoa. And it's like, that's not that's not how that character is at all in the in Final Fantasy VI. Like, no. Go f*** yourself, Square. Like, he's a boss fight, but he's literally comedic relief. Like, he's, he's supposed to make you laugh. And it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun, like, when he shows up. He's like, hey, it's me. I'm back. <laughs> so dumb. And, like, you go through, like, two or three boss fights with him, and then, like, in the world of Ruin, when you go to the Coliseum, he's like, I got a job now. I'm doing this. <laughs> I was like, why are you here? <laughs> I love the part during the opera where, where you're supposed to fight him, but he's like, I wonder how she'll react with this weight on her shoulders. He's, like, trying to push this giant weight on her. I'm like, what is with you. It's straight out of a, it's a Looney Tunes gag. Like it's a it four ton thing that he's like trying to push on, and he's like, I can't do it. It's so and this will take me at least five minutes, and then the five minute <laughs> counter starts up, and you're like, oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> so dumb. Oh, I love Ultros. Like he is a good character. Yeah. Even though like he sucks because he can do that tentacle attack and it hurts. But it's definitely, like, it's a good recurring boss that mm -hmm. that also is just, like, it's a villain, but, like, one you're not supposed to take seriously. Which, they kind of do the same thing with Kefka at first. Mm -hmm. That they're like, oh, here's a villain, but you're not going to take him seriously. Like, if you hit him once, he runs away, and he's, like, this goofy clown guy, and they're always like, oh, you know, I don't take him seriously. General Leo is much better, da-da-da-da-da. And then, like, Whoops. One, one, he straight up, like, poisons an entire city at one point, which is so messed up. I think that's the point where, like, when you realize, like, oh, shit just got real. Yeah, like, at like, that this point, dude's you're like, oh, up. I should probably take Kefka seriously. I think, the, I think that was, like, the point when I was, like, I texted you and I was, like, you remember how Sephiroth was like this real goofy villain who did like, you know, he did yeah. a couple bad things, but like he was just f***ing weird. Yeah. Kefka's real f***ed up. Like this yeah. is an actual villain. Kefka is literally the best Final Fantasy villain, period, full stop. I will not take any arguments on this. He is the best Final Fantasy villain. Because you're literally not supposed to take him seriously at first. And then once he starts doing stuff, you're like, oh, Oh, oh my God. And then yeah. like, it just keeps progressively getting worse. Every single thing he does, you're like, oh no. Until he literally succeeds at everything every Final Fantasy boss wants to do, which is either A, ruin the world, or B, become a god. And he does both. He does both. <laughs> like he just wrecks as a villain. And mm -hmm. also like Dancing Mad is the best villain theme, period. 
no joke. No, it's no I mean, joke. It's literally like a symphonic piece of music. It's beautiful. It has different. Um, it's 17 minutes long. It's 17 minutes long. And <laughs> it's four I, different parts. Yeah. There you go. The four different parts. I was trying to think of what the actual like musical um, phrase for it was, but I can't remember. But anyway, it has four different sections of it. And it's just mind blowingly beautiful. Like we we talked about this early when like we were saying like you know this game is like it, it really pushed the boundaries of the Super Nintendo and like what they could do with it like that song is amazing that Uematsu was able to do it as this motorcycle goes by my house <laughs> like how he how he was able to like create that and make it sound f-ing amazing on that sound chip is astonishing um so i i went to the wiki page to look up um what the the different phases are called Mm -hmm. but instead i found a quote from uematsu are you ready for this yes okay he says well usually when you make a song it's two to three minutes in length you have the introduction the main part and the ending but for dancing mad i didn't really put a stop on it so i kept working (laughs) on it working on it working on it and that really lets the song you know I got to play around with it for something like 14 minutes, and it's really one of my favorites. <laughs> but I mean, like, it works for that boss Movements. fight because, like, movements is what I'm yeah. Because, like, you know, like, because there's there's four parts to that boss fight because you're climbing up the tower until you eventually get to Kefka. Yes. And like, it it just works perfectly. And like each like different movement of that song just like changes and like it just ramps up more and more in intensity until you finally get there and it's just like dude it's so so good and i've heard um and i i obviously don't have the information on it right offhand because this is something that i would have had to look up beforehand but i've heard um that each section of the song each movement of the song is supposed to have a different title Mm-hmm. And I've heard references to it being somewhat of like a um, like a divine comedy style thing. Yeah, but uh, which would make sense. Divine comedy. It's a god and a clown. Mm-hmm. Ha. Anyway, ha. um, but it's literally just a musical masterpiece. I think if you put that song, the orchestrated version of it. And gave it to somebody who listens to classical music, they would never know that it was from a video game. Yeah. Like, <sighs> God. It makes One Winged Angel look like Crete School. It, it, no joke. <laughs> <laughs> like, Kefka and his theme just completely outrank anything Severoth could even think about doing. I'm fine with that. <laughs> like Kefka we, we is amazing. Yeah, like we talked about how like the extreme was like such a good boss fight music, but like Dancing Bad is even better than that. Yeah, I would say that if I was gonna rank them, I, I would put Dancing <clears throat> Dancing Mad then the extreme immediately after it. Which is like it's insane because like you're comparing a song that was on a CD based platform to a, a song that was on a 16 bit cartridge. <laughs> And you're just like, yeah, I'll take this one that was older and, like, was on, like, not that great of a sound chip. But, yeah, it's way better. 
It is. It's it's a beautiful masterpiece of a song. The entire soundtrack is beautiful. It's wonderfully done. There's a uh, there was a song I had to look up, but it was um there's a song that plays when like I think it's called Awakening. And I think like it plays a couple times when like literally Tara awakens. Ah. Uh. Like I think it's like the first time she awakens after like she she starts getting her memories back and then when she awakens again after the she has her esper freak out but like i feel like if you put that if you take that song and like modified it and put it like into the sega cd like you could that song could easily just have been in snatcher which like i think snatcher is one of like the best video game soundtracks as well so like that's high praise but like that song it's so weird because like it's it's such like a jazzy type of like intro to that song and like the way it sounds, it's amazing. Like it doesn't sound like it should have come from the Super Nintendo sound trip, basically. <laughs> I I could see that. Which I feel like you could say about like just the entire soundtrack in general. That like You could. I mean, I know that Uematsu doesn't usually cite this one as his favorite game that he did. Although he does say Dancing Mad's one of his favorites. Um, I think that this is one of Uematsu's best games, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, he did some really good work after that. I've already said multiple times, I still think eight's better as yeah. a whole, but I think that this is one of the best ones that he has. Um, and it's interesting when you listen to certain things in Final Fantasy VI, like, I don't know if you noticed that there are certain parts of the opera that sound a lot like Eris theme from Final Fantasy VII. Huh. I didn't know uh, that. notice that. Mm-hmm. Um, when she's uh, doing her, her big singing part towards, uh, what's his face, her, her, her night friend. I can't remember his name. Um, but it sounds a lot like Eris theme. Final Fantasy VII just got a copy off of what was good, obviously. Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> and there, there is the thing as well, like in Seven, where like there is a sound effect that's just Kefka's laugh sped up, right? Um, actually, Kefka's laugh is, I pretty much think verbatim in on uh, the hotel, the mm-hmm. haunted hotel in Golden Saucer. Mm-hmm. It's in there. Um, Kefka's laugh is also reused in Chrono Trigger. For what? Ozzy. I don't remember what that is. Ozzy is uh, a villain at some point, but Ozzy's oh. laugh is Kefka's laugh. I guess, I mean, that, that makes sense because, like, those games were developed pretty close to pretty each other. Pretty close together, yeah. Um, but yeah, Kefka's laugh is also in Final Fantasy Seven. It might be in other games, but I'm not 100% sure. I just know that it's in that, um, in the hotel in Final Fantasy Seven. Right, yeah, I think that's, like, the, the, the most famous example of it. Kefka's like, laugh is terrifying. Yeah, like, God, how did how did they make such a, a sound just so haunting and terrifying on the Super Nintendo? Uh, I beyond me how they did it. It's so so talented. Okay, um, I found the part you're talking about. Um, when Cloud falls into the live stream. Mm-hmm. The sound effect is also Kefka's laugh. Okay. Just pitched. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. So. There that you go. laugh. 
It it's. Did you know that Kefka is apparently thirty five? Thirty five year old edge lord. <laughs> um. Also, unless you run into this one particular NPC in Vector. Uh, you will not know this, but Kefka was actually the first experimental Magitek knight. I read that today. Yeah, and so his mind snapped during that process. So that's a lot of why he's so loony and just evil. Yeah, literally losing his mind. Yeah, I, he's literally losing it. And, you know, they never really explained the clown outfit, but... I would I mean, assume that that's part of his insanity. Yeah. Because why would you willingly put on a clown outfit? <laughs> and just, yeah, it's a good question. Because, uh, I mean, he takes down a general, a city, and the world. an emperor. And the world. <laughs> so a general city, emperor, world. He takes down so much stuff to become, like, this ultimate villain. It, I mean, it's... You gotta applaud him for his efforts. He tried really hard. He, he got really far. When you're doing that much crazy stuff, like it, it doesn't matter what you're wearing, I guess, at some point. I, I guess not. Also, <laughs> I just accidentally quoted Linkin Park and didn't mean to. <laughs> uh, Fantastic. Wow. So obviously, I think, like, you know, North American people know this game because it came out as three here. Yes. Just going in, like, the order that these releases came out here because four was two... One was one, but then they just skipped two, three, and then five as well. But uh, the localization for the the Super Nintendo version specifically is, isn't the best. Because, like, you know, Phoenix down, but spell Phoenix F-E-N-I-X. Right. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, hmm. But uh, apparently uh, that localization was only allowed to be completed in 30 days. <laughs> yes. Which is completely insane. <sighs> So there's a lot of lore behind the localization and, um, you know, some people will swear by it and some people will not. And I understand a lot of the choices that he made. Um, like one of the things that I forgot was the case, um, was the fact that Tara's mom is named Madonna in the Super Nintendo version. Huh. Her name's supposed to be Madeline. <laughs> like, that's what the actual translation was supposed to be, but... Um, so, yeah, Madonna. <laughs> Gotta get your pop culture references in. Yeah, I, I think maybe he was thinking more like Madonna and Child. Oh, yeah. When he went with that. But... And... Um, like, the weird faux cursing that we talked about Kefka doing like what was the the ship something son of a ship I think that's right yeah son of a ship I, I don't remember it was something son of a ship something but I can't remember what it was and um so there's a lot of submariner son of a submariner yeah 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 um so those are weird things and we talked about before we started recording how Tara's name is not actually Tara in the Japanese version. Good old Tina. I I appreciate the fact that she's Tara instead yeah. of Tina. The only Tina in my life is Belcher. <laughs> oh. 
But, I mean, the localization is weird at points. And a lot of the characters, especially, like, some of the summons have weird names. But, well, and like you said, the items. Like, all the items had to be retranslated once they did the the PlayStation version of it. Yeah, it makes sense. Because there's, like, what, tonics and Mm -hmm. things like that in there that people are like, I don't know what this does. Basically, just, like, to to reunify it with like everything else that had come out at that point essentially yeah they just had to standardize it which makes sense i i I can understand why they would want to but like you said it was done very very quickly and by like one guy which is a lot to ask it is (laughs) for like a game this large that's what i'm saying this is not a short game so Uh it's not like this guy was like well i can do this in a few weeks this is fine i kind of did actually feel it was kind of short but I guess maybe that was just me, even though like I did beat it in like what thirty hours ish, because yeah. like because we were talking last week, um, uh, when we recorded about like where I was and like legitimately I thought I was like halfway through the game. You were saying like halfway, and I was like, no, you're getting close. I'm like, yeah, like because like I I had basically by the time we recorded last week, I had just gotten to where Kefka had destroyed the world essentially. You're- you had started World of Ruin. So I like I, I legitimately thought like that was like the halfway mark or something. But no, it's it's like the eighty percent mark basically. You legitimately thought I was joking with you when I was saying you were close? Yeah. Oh my god. Why would I joke around with that? No, I don't know. No. Like I, I I just I just thought like, you know, that like, oh that's probably just like the halfway mark or something. Like there's still a lot of stuff to do. It was like, nope, not really. Gotta go get your ragtag group of people. Which was kind of like maybe like my least favorite part of that game, just because like the game kind of wasn't the best at like telling you where exactly everyone was, where to find them. Yeah, yeah. and just like and like the biggest pet peeve I had for that game was the um, the world map, the mini world map that that would show up in your corner was basically indecipherable. It was. I also don't like it when you're on a vehicle, whether it's a chocobo or an airship, uh, and you're in that mode trying to get around the map. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going. Yeah. Because it kind of switches to like a weird first person mode as opposed to like you just moving around on the map. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> I basically had to pull up like a like some pull out like map that Nintendo had made back then <laughs> and like it had like all the locations for the world of ruin so I was like this is basically what I'm going to use to figure out where I'm going that makes sense it, it helped it, it definitely made it easier to get around to all the places I need to go so pro tip there yeah um I want to talk about how there's some some real heart-wrenching moments and the positive and the negative in Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VI. Okay. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind is when Celeste wakes up after the World of Ruin comes to be. <sighs> like, that's one of the most iconic scenes in gaming, period. Um, it's rough. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really hard thing to get through. And it's so beautifully written that like you feel for her you it's not just like oh this is a character she's gonna get through it da, 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 da. you're like oh my god even especially like when she wakes up and Sid's like yeah it's been a year since everything happened i was like holy shit. 
You literally texted me. You're like, it's been a year? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it really helps you feel the weight of what Kefka did. Way more than just saying like, oh no, the world's over. Da, 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 da. Like, it makes you feel it. Mm-hmm. And it makes you kind of feel somewhat like helpless for a while. Yeah. Which I think is somewhat useful in this sense because it, it makes you come around and be like, okay, no, we're going to get out of this helplessness. We're going to do this. And it it helps you have that final drive to, to defeat him in the end. But it, oh man, it's, it's, it's rough. Yeah. Um, also involving Celeste. I really heart wrenching in an opposite way. I love the scene with Locke when he saves her, mm-hmm. because there's this whole underlying thing with Locke with Rachel, which is another thing that really hurts. That he could never save the person he cared about, and so this was his op- his opportunity finally to save the person that he cares about. And I was like, oh, Locke and Celeste, they're so cute. And she, and she even does like the opposite of that too, like in saving him. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. It's so good. Um, those two are perfect together and I'm glad. And um, <laughs> again, the Rachel thing hurts a lot because Locke not being able to save her and her losing her memory and her being killed and then like put into a weird. So that's creepy, by the way, that he put yeah. weird stasis. I'm like, Locke, honey, no, no, just no. Um, but I'm glad that she finally got to like let go and he uh, yeah, like he gets that closure finally. Yeah, it it helped. Um, then there's the fact that Shadow and Realm actually are connected, which oh, his dreams they're intense. Mm-hmm. And you don't expect that because Shadow, when you first meet him, which is when you're with uh, Saban, yeah, and he's going to the. Uh, the train Choo-choo. like he he comes across as very like oh i'm a mercenary i don't care about anything da, 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 da. but then you find out that he's really just running away yeah because like basically like anytime you get him like you can pick him up for battle and have him in your party but then like there's the offset chance that he'll just be like well i did what i paid i was paid for peace out later yep Ugh. um the speaking of the train, Chushu. also with Cyan's family, oh. with his 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 son and his wife on the train. <sighs> oh, that hurt. Mm-hmm. That really hurt because you get over the ridiculousness of you're like, oh man, Saban just like soup like the train. That's really funny, haha. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, this is a good moment. We're all getting off this train, and then like you see them going on, and you're like, oh. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh no. no. Oh no. Now I understand what's happening. Oh no, this is bad. Mm-hmm. And then like his son's like, I'll take care of mom. Like, oh. <laughs> it's rough. It hurts. Oh. Um, and also like, especially considering that they died because of Kepka poisoning them. Yep. Like it, it hurts. Which like even it following hurts. along the events of that, like just watching him like go in and discover like both of them. It's like, oh man. Right, because his wife is dead, and he sees that, and he's like, oh, okay, well, maybe my son's still alive, and then he, like, takes him out of the bed, and it, it, he, you see his sprite pop across the screen, like, you can tell he's horrified. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know, like, usually poisoning is not a pretty death no. to begin with. So I'm sure that if you had seen it in a, like, realistic way, it would not have been pretty. Um, but you can just see, and that's the thing, is that these are sprites, but you can see how horrified he is by, by just the way the sprite pops across the screen and is, like, moving away from the bodies. It's, it's like we were talking about earlier, like, just how cinematic this game is, like... You never expect, like, a 16-bit game of any magnitude to be as cinematic as this thing is. But, like, all of those sprites have, like, have character to them. Like, mm-hmm. they have their own little, like, motions and everything. And, like, they... Edgar has his finger wag. Yeah. And, like, you can tell, like, when they're happy, when they're sad, when they're feeling pain and all that sort of stuff. Like, it's literally amazing. It is. It's so phenomenal. Um, I was also really happy that Edgar and Sabin actually, like, got back together and got to be bros again because uh, you find out the whole story of like the coin flip and how he had tricked him. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many other games, people would interpret that as like, oh, he's being greedy. He wants to be king. Da, 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 da. He usurped the throne. But that wasn't what he was doing. He was actually trying to help his brother and live out his dreams. And yeah. he took the responsibility on himself. And I'm like, wow. That's that's intense. It he, really he, is. Yeah, he wanted his brother. He knew his brother wanted to be like have this freedom and everything. Like, and they basically explicitly say that in the game too. Yeah. And Edgar, like you know, even like this is all coming off like their parents dying, and yeah. he's like having to make all these decisions like right then and there, and basically does that. It's it's intense. I mean, he, he essentially, like, helped his brother live out his, his dream, mm-hmm. but, again, he took on the burden of having to be a king and it, at a very young age. I think they're, like, 17 when this happens. Yeah, they're, they're young. Because I think they're both 27 by the time of the story. Um, Edgar is wonderful, except for in one instance in particular I can think of. What's that? And Otherwise, he's just phenomenal. Um, he, he's a little creepy towards Realm at first. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then, like, I know in the American version, he's like, oh, never mind, you're 10. Um, in the Japanese version, he never does that. He continues to hit on her. That's a shame. It is. Um, especially because, like I said, he's 27 by Mm -hmm. the time the story's happening, and she is 10. Um, it's... Horrific. So that's that's Edgar's real bad knocking point. Like his his womanizing is comical because you realize that he's just terrible at it. Like he's not even a good womanizer. Like everyone in the castle he meets, like, yeah, he just does that. We really don't care at this point. Right. Like if you go and sleep in the like castle inn mm-hmm. uh, of Figaro, the girl's like, Did he hit on you? Yeah, he does that. It never really works, but we yeah. just kind of play along with it. And I'm like, oh my god, they're like his subjects. It, it's even funnier, like when you have him in the party, and there's like he, they'll just say that, and like, oh, it's the king. Hey, hey, what up? <laughs> like they don't even care. No, it's so funny. Uh, I I really like Edgar, even though he does have his weird moment. Um, it just. All the characters are great. Again, some of the like optional characters don't get as fleshed out. Right. I mean, because they're optional characters. Right. But even then, like 
Vincent in Final Fantasy VII had a lot of depth. And yeah. Yuffie stole all your materia, so she sucks. <laughs> um, it's true. That part's that part was terrible. It garbage, actual actual garbage. There was something else I was thinking. Oh, um, and it it was also intense because you can literally lose a character, like you can lose Shadow, and he can die, and it'll be permanent. Mm-hmm. And that was newish. Yeah, and yeah. I know they really, really took it at another level in Final Fantasy VII, but like that was a big deal because you never really knew, like, oh, I should wait for him. Because basically, it, like, it when you like, because it's after when Kefka like destroys the world, right? Yeah, it's um, on the floating continent. Oh, yeah, on the floating and continent. It, like, yep. You're and you're getting off of that basically, and like you get to the point where it's like jump on the ship or wait and then like because it doesn't say anything at first but if you uh-huh. sit, select wait and then you hit it again it'll be like jump on the ship wait for shadow yeah and then you basically have to wait there until like 30 seconds or something is left on the timer and then he'll be like hey, hey i'm here let's go or if you're like me you accidentally get into a randomized battle with like 40 seconds left and you're like uh-oh oh, that would be so scary but I think, like, I finished that battle with, like, 10 seconds left and then, like, just hurriedly got to that spot. And it was like, he's like, hey, what's up? Let's go. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. <laughs> which, which especially, like, it makes, like, the, the portion when you find him again, like, real strange. Because, like, because I guess, like, if you don't rescue him, mm-hmm. that, like, Realm is supposed to be in his spot or something. So that's why the game's, like, it will refer to Shadow as, like, a female in that point. Yeah. And it's like, it, it was super weird because, like, Get her to safety. And I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> Shadow a girl? What? That's that's super strange. No, Shadow is not a girl. He. Uh, I looked he, it up. And I was it. like, I looked it up. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he fathered a child. Yeah. He has a cool attack dog. He does have a cool attack dog. Yeah. Interceptor all- is real cool. Interceptor is a super super cool dog. And just randomly will run in during battle and attack stuff. It's like the precursor of Angelo from Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's true. Yeah. All the later Final Fantasy games had to steal something from Six. I mean, it worked. I mean, it's a fabulous <laughs> game. Very true. Um, was there anything that you really didn't like about it, though? I'm just curious. Um... Besides, like, some of the translation issues. I know you had problems with some of that, yeah. but... And, like, the world map stuff in me. I feel All like right. maybe, like, at the end when you had to split up into three different parties, I wasn't that big of a fan of. Mostly just because, like, I wasn't anticipating it. So, like, I had yeah. leveled up, like, my core group up to, like, nearly level 50 at that point. And everyone else was in, like, the mid-30s. I think that's one thing that would have been really helpful in this game is if everybody, like, gained some experience in the background. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I don't think any game was doing that at the time like that's still like i feel like that's still relatively like a newer concept for rpgs nowadays even still i wonder what the first game that did it was that's a good question but i feel like it would have really helped final fantasy 6 because there is so much opportunity for things to get split up that you're like oh well now i'm using somebody that i never use ever Mm -hmm. and they don't know any magic that's yeah that's basically kind of what happened to me where it's like yeah at the end, like, you had to fight the three statues that Kefka moved and basically messed everything up. 
Yeah. And like two of them, I was like, yeah, I just blast right through them because I have good characters. The other one, it was just it was a struggle to get through because yeah, it was like I'm, I have one I good don't... character and then three other ones that aren't that great. <laughs> so I feel like it was uh, was it was like Edgar Strago. Cyan and Gogo. <laughs> wow. So Edgar was basically carrying that party. Basically, yeah. Like the whole basis of that battle would be like Edgar would hit um, Ultima. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that I could get the turn cycle to where Gogo would fall right behind him to copy that. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. And have like um, I had Strago throwing bio at him at that statue because that was something it was weak to. And then Cyan would just heal. Or essentially it became like Cyan was throwing Phoenix Downs out the wazoo. Because <laughs> even like oh, even like I, during that battle, if like I took like a slight bit of damage and then like Edgar got hit with fire three, dead. It was rough. Mm. But then I got through that, and then it was all fine dandy. Um did you appreciate the fact that Strago decided to join a cult at one point? <laughs> that was real weird. <laughs> He's like, "Well, this is this seems fine. I'm gonna join this cult now." Like, I didn't oh, really. Me, all right. I didn't really go investigate that because I I went and got I went and got him and then just left. So like, I don't know why he did, but then like, because <laughs> I know like that place in general is like a it's a secret area to where you can go fight like a boss and all that sort of stuff. But like, yeah, you just roll up and realms like. What are you doing? And he's like, oh, uh, gotta go, guys. Later. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, he joined a cult. Okay, then. Uh, everyone just goes through like weird stuff during that time between the year, the year that passes, essentially. Yeah. Which the thing is, it's real interesting because like you expect like when you go and try and find everyone that everyone's gonna be like, all right, yeah, we're gonna go take it to him, yeah. But it's not necessarily that simple. I mean, like. Tara's found like this community that she's involved with. She like takes care of all these children. She's overwatching like this couple who's about to have their first kid. And like when you find her, she's like, yeah, I don't have the will to fight anymore. Yeah, no, she she's actually one of the more interesting ones to me um, after the the ruin happens because she doesn't want to be involved anymore. She's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm done. Um, and actually, like the first time that you go to the town where she's hanging out. Um, you can talk to an NPC and she's like, Hey, look at these two people. They're 16 and in love. You're like, Oh, that's cute. And then like, it becomes something of a greater deal later on. You're like, Oh, okay. Whoops. One of them's pregnant. (laughs) They clearly are in love. (laughs) But I, I I really just like like how interesting, like the characters all took like different turns, like just in between, like just a single year. From yeah, I mean, Edgar all that happening, Edgar becomes a criminal. <laughs> Locke is off, just like trying to find that treasure that will that will heal. What's her face? Rachel. Rachel. Sabin's just like holding the house up. He's like, "Oh, hey, Celeste, you want to go fight Kefka? All right, cool, let's go." <laughs> Sabin's just th- Sabin's just down. Yeah, he is. He's I down mean, to fight. But it makes sense given his character. Like, yeah. Even at the beginning of the, I say beginning, but like on the riverbed, he's like. Oh no, Tara's leg got grabbed by Ultra. It's time to jump in the water and go try and find him. Yep. Like he's just down to do whatever. He's like, yeah, whatever. This seems fun. All right. Can I suplex it? I'm in. Yep. Science, like writing letters to a a girl who lost her boyfriend in the war or whatever. 
Gal's off doing his own thing. Uh, we we talked about Celeste. You know, what, she. What does he ever do? He 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 went off in the wild again. Then you find him, and he's like, "Hey, what's up?" Celeste deals with Sid dying and then trying to commit suicide unless you do that fast enough, and then he doesn't, and it's like, "Hey, I got a raft. Go do your thing." Yep. Uh, Setzer's dealing with a lot of things. He's like, Setzer's also another one who's like, yeah, no, I don't want to go fight. Yeah. Because I don't have an airship. And why well, bother? And he has to deal with like his girlfriend's death yeah. and everything by going into the tomb to get the other airship. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's not something that he had wanted to to personally like deal with. Yeah. Maybe. So like you, you kind of like, well, all right, let's go save the world. Also, Let's break up some emotional trauma for you. Yay! Yeah. Uh, Shadow is injured in a cave, and then you find him, and he's like, hey, thanks. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks. Whatever. I'll, I'll just rest for a while. Realm's yeah. working for some shady art dealer. Oh, it's it's super shady. Painting, and then, oops, there's a demon in this painting. Yeah. Whoops. Her, her skill of painting is really interesting. Like, it's it's a cool concept. Yeah. Uh Strago we talked about he's in a cult. Mog I never found again, so he's off in a mine somewhere. <laughs> you just left Mog. I was like I was gonna look for him, but like I just never could find him for some reason. So I was like, Yeah, whatever. I'm not gonna use him anyways. It's whatever. <laughs> Umaro you just randomly find in the mines as well, but he'll only join if you have Mog. So like he's just a character that joins in the world of ruin anyways. And also Go goes yep. in in Zone Eater or Zone Ender. Zone Ender. The stomach, and he's like, "What's up? I can mimic things." I really like. I really like the, the scene at the end there with him, and he's like, "They're like, you both have to do these buttons at the exact same time." He's just like, "I got this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry." <laughs> and it's like, boom, and he's like, "Yeah, what's up?" I mimic things. I mimic <laughs> things. That's the only thing I can do. <laughs> Yo, you cast Phoenix down on something. I'm gonna cast Phoenix down on something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like I, it was just real interesting to see like just how because you expect especially i think from rpgs in in general just like the trope is like oh something bad happens and you gotta round the troops up again everyone's just gonna yeah, be everybody's super motivated. everyone's gonna be gung-ho and motivated to go and this is definitely just not the case Mm-mm. they just kind of do their own thing and like are living their lives even if their lives suck yeah, which their lives suck. Their lives really Because <laughs> that suck. world sucks. Kafka succeeded. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Also, his sprite, by the way, when he becomes, like, god final villain, his sprite is beautiful. It's, it's very big, too. It's huge. He is a tower. What do you... I guess, like... You know, we've talked about how good this game is. What do you think is your favorite moment in this game? Hmm. Favorite moment. Honestly, as weird as it's going to sound, I think that I have to give it to Celeste after you find out, like, with the world of ruin. Like, huh. that she finds out that it's been a year and she's dealing with Sid, and, like, it's it's a really emotional moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very it's, powerful moment, yeah. It is, and I think that's part of why. Is It's just, like you said, it's very cinematic. It's very, it's heart-wrenching whether you succeed or fail, depending on what you do. Like, it's, it's intense. Mm-hmm. And 
I feel like in terms of story, it, like I said, it, it gives a lot of impact to what just happened. And I think it's, it's one of my favorite moments because it, it's so impactful. Yeah. I can't think of what else I would pick. That's the one that sticks out of my head the most. What about you? I think I might go with the opera. Ooh, the opera. Just because like, you know, like like I said earlier, like I'd heard about it. I didn't know exactly what it was, but like coming out of it, I was like, that was fucking cool. And you get ultros. You get ultros. You get like weird symphonic singing from the Super Nintendo. <laughs> and just like the whole thing is just, it's cool. It's a story within a story as yeah. well. So I like that a lot. Um, it, I think it really just adds to like the motif of like this game being very Shakespearean. Yeah, it does. And just like the ways like the whole, even like just the, the grander scale of the story. It's like, it's basically a five act play. And I you, can see that. And then you have like the story within a story inside of it. It's like, there's a lot of cool shit with, within this game and just like even like the overarching weird meshing of stories that are going on within the opera itself or it's like oh we're putting celeste on stage to trick setzer into thinking he it, she's this other girl so she's we can Maria. so we can get his 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 airship and use it oh here comes ultros he's gonna try and ruin everything <laughs> oh now Locke is actually a character in the opera yeah <laughs> it's so ridiculous but it's also just it's just so cool it's good. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. It's it's really, really good. And you do hear a lot about the opera when it comes to this game, but hearing about it and experiencing it are two very yeah. different things. I'm glad I never like heard anything like specifics about it beforehand. Because mm -hmm. I think that really helped me like appreciate it for what it was worth. That makes sense. Even for someone who like in general, maybe not like the biggest fan of operas or stuff like that, like even like it's still real cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I would not say that I'm a fan of opera, um, yeah. but this scene is rad. Mm -hmm. So, cool. I, I mean, I would agree with you. That's one of the most important scenes, and it's really, really cool. Um, and maybe like a lo a smaller one, but when Kefka is destroying the world, when Celeste like when he's trying to like, hey Celeste, go murder all your friends, and she like turns around to stabs him. I was like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew like nothing was going to come of it because he was probably just going to be like, oh, I'll shrug this off. Like, oh, that was such a dope moment. Oh, it's so cool. Um, I also really like um, the connection between Tara's mom and dad when mm -hmm. you're, you're, you get the scene where they're meeting and then they're basically saying like, you know, maybe we can make this work. And it has like a weird kind of like, we become stars and mingle together and surprise there's a baby. Yeah. Um, but I, I did kind of like the whole like star cross lovers type thing that appeared there. It was fun. And then you can just yeah. put, put her dad on everyone and have him learn the magic. Yeah. Not fun for those two, but fun for me. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, you, you can equip her dad. Just dad equipped. I that was one of the first things I did though. I was like, all right, I can equip Tara's dad. I'm gonna put Tara's dad on Tara because she has to learn this first, or else I'm gonna feel really bad. <laughs> so goofy. 
And like even that moment as well, like that flashback is real telling because like everything you hear up until that point is like, oh, we had this huge war over magic and everything and the espers hate us and all of this. And like there's like this real feud between humans and espers. But then like you see this and it's like, well, no, it could have all worked, but you guys were all dicks about things and yeah, tried to screw like, everything up. Ugh. Ugh. Terrible. And, like, the Emperor got nothing out of it besides being killed by Kefka. Nope. So. He got out crazied. GJ, Emperor. Kefka wins. Literally. I mean, yeah. Like I said, he's one of the only Final Fantasy villains who actually succeeds at everything that he was trying to do. I mean, he gets taken down eventually because it would be a bad game if he didn't. <laughs> but, like, he... Everything he sets out to do, he does. He's like, you know what? I'm going to poison these people. Done. I want to destroy the world. Done. I want to become a god. Done. Done. <laughs> like, it's like an evil villain checklist, and he just checks off everything really, really rapidly. And you're like, dang it. You got to be bad at something. Which which I think really helps when like you're able to give him his comeuppance at the very end. It, it does. It feels good. Which, like... I think that final boss is actually pretty cool mechanically as well, just because, like, you go into it, but then, like, before you even fight, like, the the first three thingamajigs before you get to Kefka, like, mm -hmm. the game's like, rank your party members in order of how you want them. So it's like, you're going, basically, everyone is going to fight against Kefka, unless yeah. you're good and you don't need, really need to, but it's like, but it really gives you that camaraderie feeling of, like, everyone's against this guy. And if, it, if if we need to, we will use everyone. We will just keep throwing people at him. Yeah, it's, and like in the other games, it would just be like, oh, there's your party. Yep. That's it. Which mostly worked for me just because like I had four people leveled up very well. Lost one of them in the Kefka, before the Kefka fight, which wasn't great, but then it really didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you sent me a screenshot and I was like, so Shadow's dead. Yeah. You're like, yeah, well. Shadow served his purpose of throwing Excalibur at Kefka. That was pretty much all I needed him to do. <laughs> and he died. And I was like, and everyone else, I was like, well, I'm just going to keep healing uh, Edgar, Sabin, and Terra. They're going to keep casting Ultima. And that's going to be their job. They're just going to stay alive and just mess this dude up. And they did. Yep. It was very satisfying. It. You beat Final Fantasy VI, I finally. I did. I was, I think I texted you afterwards where I was like, I'm so mad that I had not played this game sooner. You did. You scared me because you're like, I'm so mad. I'm like, oh no, he didn't like it. Because <laughs> there was a, like, um, there was a time, I think, when I got my Vita, like, maybe like a few months afterwards, like in 2013 or something, when I I bought Final Fantasy VI and I was like, all right, I'm going to play this, finally. And I started to play it, but then, like, I just completely dropped it. Didn't get that. I I got to, I think, basically, when you pick up Sabin, and then just, like, it fell off my radar. Oh, what a shame. I, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Because, <laughs> man, that game is very, very, very good. So now you've played one of the best Final Fantasies that was ever made. Well, time to play all the worst ones. Time to break out my copy of Final Fantasy Thirteen. <laughs> I mean, Final Fantasy Twelve just got re-released. You could play that; it's really bad. Yeah, 
From the director. <laughs> from one of the directors of Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> comes Final Fantasy XII, and it's fake MMORPG. Yeah, don't play the bad Final Fantasies. Play only the good Final Fantasies. Hey, I, pl- I played a decent amount of Final Fantasy XII back in 2007, 6, 7. I think it was 6. Something like that. Back before I was actually like, I knew how to play JRPGs. So like, so like, I guess for that, like when that, with the way that combat for the game was, like, it, it appealed to me way more because it wasn't just traditional turn-based. But I feel like yeah. nowadays I would just be like, eh. It made me cry. <laughs> I bet. That and Dirge of Cerberus made me cry. Because definitely just like coming off of like, you know, Excluding 11, because that's just a completely different thing. Right. But, like, coming off of 10 and 10, too, like, 12 is such a different thing altogether. Yes. And, then, and keeping in mind how much I love 10 and 10, too. Right. So, no wonder you cried. I cried a lot. And then you I'm, get 13 afterwards. And I played, like, maybe three hours of that, and then I was just like, nope. Yeah, none. but you have to play it for 20 hours before it gets good. <laughs> so basically what we're saying is that Final Fantasy is no longer good. Yeah. 14 is pretty uh, alright. Yeah, but then 15 came out. Yeah, 15 sucks. Uh, they have Square Enix has put out one good Final Fantasy in the last 15 years. And that's the remake of 14. Because <laughs> <laughs> 14 was already... Because <laughs> they had to remake 14 because it was so bad. Right, that's the thing, is that 14 was even a remake of a game because they're like, oh wait, no, this game sucks. We have to redo it entirely from the ground up. Yep. <sighs> Sigh. Sigh. But Final Fantasy uh, VI. Final Fantasy VI is wonderful, and you should play it if you haven't already. Sorry we spoiled it all, but you should still play it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good game. It is. Hey, if you're... I it, give it- Two thumbs up. I was also going to give it two thumbs up. I mean, hey, if you're getting it for the Super Nintendo Classic, you can play it on there or a bevy of a billion other places to play it. Like, maybe you want to buy a cartridge version from the Super Nintendo. There's the PS1 version that came with uh, one of the Final Fantasy Chronicle anthology things where they just combined a bunch of the older games together. It's on the GBA, which you've played the GBA version, right? I have. Is it good? Uh... I mean, yeah, I can recommend it. Okay. Uh, I Honestly, I would recommend either the Super Nintendo or the Vita version um, before I would recommend anything else. But yeah. the Game Boy Advance version is not bad. Um, I would not recommend you play it on mobile. Yeah, we're gonna, I was going to get to that in a second. Uh, it's also oh. on Wii Virtual Console, PSN, and then on Android, iOS, and PC, which is the versions you do not want to play because... Uh, especially the PC version, which is based off of the mobile version, where they basically tried to HDify everything and like made the sprites real smooth and too bright, and it just it looks real bad. It looks terrible. It's really, really upsetting, and especially if you're trying to do like a touch device. Like, imagine trying to do Saban's combos on a touch device. I mean, maybe if you had to like do spins, like some of those are, that might not be terrible, but everything else. Hmm. It- um, but I would say, you know, if you're getting the Super Nintendo coming out in September, that's a good version to Um, like I said, I have mine on my Vita and I think it's also on my PS3. That's a great version. Do mm-hmm. that. Um, 
there are options, you should play Final Fantasy VI if you have not played Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Like we said, the Super Nintendo version is going to be a little bit wonky with localization. I think the PS1 version is fixed a little bit, like, but it still is based off of the Super Nintendo version, and then they retranslated it for the GBA version. So if yeah. you're a stickler for localization, that might be a, some avenues to go towards. Uh, lo- loading times on the PS1 version is a little long, too. Yeah, that's uh. that's the one bad thing about like those those uh, uh, Super Nintendo or those NES to SNES uh, Square games yeah. that they put out on the on the PlayStation is that like they have load times and it's not great. No, it's a real also, shame. The cutscenes are really not that good. They don't add a whole lot to it, and I wish they had left them out. The only good Square old Square game that they put cutscenes in that was actually kind of good was Chrono Trigger, just because they're anime cutscenes and they don't look bad. They don't. Uh, I mean, they don't look bad in the t- in the sense that they like. They're, don't look aged. Yeah, and they're not like really bad CG. Is what basically what I mean. It's just like exactly yes. Here's some anime, I, sure. I can't stand his art style, but um. Yeah, that's fair. They're not terrible CG that you're like, oh yeah. God. Oh, <laughs> is that supposed to be a person? What is, is that a thumb? What is that? It's kind of surprising as well because like, you look at seven, eight, nine, and like they have pretty decent like CG. Like that was what Square was known for during that time period. Correct. But then, like, the anthology, like, the, the versions of 4 and 6 and whatever else they have out there, like, those, those CG cutscenes just look bad. It's not good. It's really, really not good. It's, it's... <sighs> they just make you want to vom. They do. Like I said, like, sometimes, <laughs> like, you have this really, really wonderful game. It doesn't need this. Mm-mm. There's just really no need for this stuff. Like, why add it? It almost seemed like they were just like... We can. We can, and, like, you know, that's kind of what we've become known for is, like, these really elaborate CG cutscenes from 7, 8, and 9 that we we have to put these in here now. Nah. And probably they just made them on a low budget as well, so that completely didn't help and probably made them look as not great and didn't age well as the other games specifically, so... I mean, they kind of look like a foot, so <laughs> I'd say no. Look like a foot. They do. They look like a foot. Uh, they they should they should do a proper remake of six at some point. I agree. With for you. something, um, I don't know what, but something that's not those mobile versions because that should not be uh, the lasting legacy. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Like I've legitimately been thinking. That if they did, which they won't now, but if they had done a 3DS remake of it, like they did Final Fantasy IV's remake for the DS, I would have been so happy with that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it would have been perfect because it still has the kind of like spritey look to it with the, the 3D models. And I just don't understand why they didn't do that. Because um, Square hates us. Square does hate us. Instead, they're giving us a action final fantasy 7 because yes why why are we doing this <sighs> square square i just want to punch the entity that is square enix in the face it's <laughs> one way to put it yes especially nomura hashtag dunk on nomura anyway anyways that do you have anything else you want to talk about Final Fantasy 6-wise, or is that going to wrap this up? That wraps it up. That wraps it up. Well, 
play Final Fantasy VI. And for more information from us, go to seasonalimitcheckup.com or sac.cool if I can spit out letters in a in a in an order in a fast way. Coherent fashion. Yeah. You can check out previous episodes of this podcast. Those are up there. The mainline podcast. Some writings that I've done on there as well. For more you can check out Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII episodes that we have. That's true. Yeah. I think that's all that we've done. I think so. Yeah. We need, uh, to, do, we need to do a 10-2 episode at some point, though. Yeah, we do. For more from Anne Ladium, go to AnneLadium.com, where you can see all her writings. Read a piece about Final Fantasy X-2. Yeah. I also have a piece about Final Fantasy X-2. Nice. Read his piece, too. It's also it's it's about ten two and Mystic Quest, so <laughs> Heck yeah. Two good games. Two very good games. You can follow us on Twitter at Anime Checkup, where you can find us tweeting about stuff we post and also dumb stuff. Like I run matches on Fire Pro Wrestling World and post those. <laughs> Shenanigans. Because I made a real I made I made a title because I was like, I'll just make this a goof round title. I, it was kind of that idea, but then, like, I put a tournament on to see who would be the first champion, and then, like, Ann Takabaki beats all of these real-life wrestlers to become the champion. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, well, this is just the goof-around title now. Oh, that's so funny. So, I was, like, posting matches of her defending the belt, and then she lost the belt today to Haru, because Haru's character is, like, very mean and cheats. I, I saw that. There's a match coming up where Haru wins by taking out a scythe and cutting her opponent. And then that's pinning how her. wrestling works. Yeah, no, that's 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 how wrestling works. Oh my god, that's the thing that happens. Also, I made a I made a Hifumi character on there, <laughs> <laughs> so you can look for that. You can download that on the Steam Workshop if you own Fire Pro Wrestling World. Cheap plugs, but yeah, look forward to that. Uh, and then next week we will talk about I don't know something. Something. I don't have anything ready. We'll, we'll go into our Google Doc and be like, hey, this sounds like a good topic. It's true. Probably will. Yep. And it'll be great. Look forward to it. Yep, 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 yep. Let's look forward to that. Next week, 33s. Double threes. Oh, snap. Put some threes on that. I don't know. Uh, are you soldier boying me right now? Soldier boy. Tell them to go listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Look forward to awesome things next week when we are awesome on the internet. Your second favorite podcast on the internet. Season Lambert Checkup OVA.